Hello, friends. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Elmwood Baptist Church. We are an independent fundamental Baptist church in Brighton, Colorado. We are so blessed to have you join us today. As we open God's word, I pray that you will be encouraged and strengthened. Our desire is for the world to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and for Christians to grow in an intimate relationship with Jesus and to serve God with their whole life. May God bless you richly as you listen today. I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, for God so loved the world. You know, this is kind of an easy message to preach. It really is. Uh, my, uh, I'll tell you, one of my most favorite verses uh, is on the back wall of this sanctuary. And, uh, and it's found in John 3. We'll read it here in just a few minutes. But you know, it's, it's something that we all need to know. The love of God. We all need to experience this. There's not a one that doesn't need it. And, uh, and, and the love of God is something that will change your past. It will change your past. It will it'll, it'll make a future for you. The love of God, that's wonderful. It's something that if you've if you got a broken heart, the love of God can heal that. All the words of man can't touch it, but the love of God can heal it. And if you have some kind of dream that hasn't come true or maybe it got shattered, the love of God can take care of that as well. So many things just the love of God, those three word, that three-word statement can do that no human being can do. It's great to have friends, isn't it? It's great to have family. It's great to have those gather around when something has maybe gone upside down. It's great to have somebody to pray with. But you know, when that's all said and done, it's the love of God that brings the healing. It's the love of God that does that. And as usual, they do surveys about this. And so I wanted to share a survey that was done. This was done a few years ago. And the participants in the survey, they were asked a question. The question was this. What three-word sentence would you most like to hear or have said to you? Now, I'm going to ask you, and I'm, I, I want audience participation, all right? What do you think the number one three-word sentence was? Well, you're absolutely right. I love you. That, that's an easy one, wasn't it? Boy, everybody likes to hear that. I love you. That's great. What's the second one? Happy Mother's Day. I like that. Who said that? Jen, you're absolutely right. I forgive you. I love you is number one. I forgive you is number two. Now, I don't think you can even get number three. What's number three? I hear a cacophony of sound here. Number three is supper is ready. <laughs> you know, about, <laughs> about, uh, about 35 minutes from now, 
that's going to be a very important statement right there, Pastor. Hurry up, get done, so because supper's ready. Supper's ready. You know, but that 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 doesn't really sum up our needs, does it? I love you. I forgive you. Those are great things. Supper is ready is really a comic relief, honestly, is what it is. It's important for us to experience something that can emotionally help us, physically help us, and but most importantly, something that can spiritually help us. It's one thing if I say to you, I love you, and I say that often here, and I really do mean it, but when God says, I love you, that has something for our soul. That has something for our soul. God meets everyone's needs. And the only time that that could be said that it doesn't happen is when we stand in the way of God. You know, it's possible to do. Nobody, nobody, including God, is ever going to force something on anybody. You know, uh, ma'am, if you're if you had to go up to your husband and grab him by the shirt and say, "Say you love me," and he says, "All right, I love you." Is there any satisfaction in that? None whatsoever. But you know, the Bible says that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That was well, all love. All love is in, embodied in that right there. Even when we didn't care. When we didn't even love God or even have any conceptual thought about what loving God was all about, God loved you and me. No question about it. And it's the primary need that every single human being on this planet needs. Imagine what our culture would look like if somehow we could get the message of God loving you to get across to everybody. I mean, I, imagine how it could settle the conflicts of a nation. Imagine if, yeah, listen, bringing it down to a little microcosm of, of the whole, imagine what it can do for your marriage if, if, we, if we conducted ourselves like God loves us. Why, there would be nothing that we couldn't forgive. Why? Because we love like God loves us. You, you see, it would put relationships together. It would put kids back with their parents and parents with their children. I mean, it would, it would repair so many things. Truth of the matter is, when God says faith, hope, and charity, and charity meaning faith that demonstrates itself, he said, there's nothing greater than charity, nothing greater than love. Faith is not greater than love. Hope is not greater than love. Love is the dominant, dominant expression. And that's what we see in our, in our, in our text this morning. In chapter 3 and verse 15, just follow along as I read a couple verses here. In verse 15, the Word of God says that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, 
but that the world through him might be saved. And that last phrase just kind of drives everything home. The world needs a Savior. If the world needed to be saved, Jesus became the Savior for that. And so the love of God is a, is a tremendous thing. And I want you to see first and foremost this morning that God has no favorites, absolutely no favorites when it comes to his love. In our society, and you, you'll, you'll identify with this, in our society, we are placed into different categories, whether we like it or not. And this world has a way of just immediately uh, placing us where it wants us. Educationally, it, uh, it, 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 it happens all the time. I, I was talking to my neighbors two doors down not long ago. Sweet couple. And uh, we were just outside of their garage back when the weather was still a little bit better than now. And we were just talking, and, and I found, he said to me, he said, well, you know, I'm a scientist. And he, he, uh, he's kind of a, a, a fish biologist, which is, I, I guess, an enormous field. It's intriguing to me. And he said, yeah, that was my, that's, that's, that was my doctrinal thesis. I said, boy, that's interesting. That really is. That, that intrigues me. I said, I have two doctorates. He says, you have two doctorates? I said, yeah. And, uh, and, and both of them are in Bible. And uh, all of a sudden, the, the conversation kind of turned, and his wife said, wow, that's great. Well, I didn't say it to try to be great. I said it so that he would not get to the place where he would place me in some other category educationally where I couldn't communicate to him. And, uh, and so we're getting along fine. We're getting along fine. Slow but sure, uh, I'm praying that I'll be able to lead both of them to Christ. But the world does. It categorizes us. And, and if we get into a, a, an educational category, some people just think you're too dumb to even talk to. They place us in categories economically, don't they? I mean, they do. There's places, honestly, there's places in America where you cannot live unless you make this much. That's the way it is. And uh, they place us, oh yeah, we're going to get big outburst here. They place us politically. Politically. You know what I wish would happen? I wish when these polls would call people on the telephone, they just people would just say, no, thank you, it's not your business, and hang the phone up. I, I'd love it. I'd love it if the pollsters could never get anybody to poll. And with the economy that we got right now and with all these jobs that are available, all those pollsters could, could actually go out and get a real job. But politically, and then I'm sorry about this last one, because it shouldn't be. But you know, even in 2019, we are still being categorized racially. It shouldn't be a part of that. My statement about that is, a racist is somebody who talks about race all the time. I'll tell you what. It shouldn't be. 
It shouldn't be. In fact, none of those should be. But I'm glad to tell you this morning that God doesn't have any favorites. God is going to place you in the category of I love you. And when God says it, it means something. No matter where you've come from, no matter what your past is, you are on equal footing with the love of God. It doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter how wrong we have gotten maybe in life. God loves you. On the walls of a, an insane asylum, I read, were written these words. And they're the words of a wonderful hymn. But nobody knows the name of the individual who actually originally wrote these words on the wall. Think of this, on the wall of an insane asylum years ago. Here's the words. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? And every blade of grass a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God to man would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. That's one, of, that's one of the most beautiful hymns in the Christian church. Those words, and of course many other verses. But somebody in an insane asylum had been so touched by the love of God that they... That they took a pencil and wrote these words on the wall, and later those words were found. Imagine, I can't think of any darker place on earth than would be an insane asylum. But God's love was able to penetrate through that darkness into some place where nobody would ever want to be. And God touched that individual with a very distinguished lady was once asked which was her which child was her mother's favorite child she had two siblings well she replied and it stunned the media that was interviewing her she said my mother loved johnny best because he was the older and she loved jimmy best because He's the youngest. And mother loved me best because I'm the only girl. I like that answer, don't you? Which one in this church does God love the best this morning? <laughs> God loves me best. And by the way, God loves you best. And Jamie, God loves you best. And Jana, you too. And guess what? I can go through the whole congregation this morning. And no matter how you feel about yourself, or no matter how somebody else might categorize you or how they feel about you, God loves you, Amber, best. And everyone, best. You know something? That's something that we can't do. We, can't, we don't have the ability to do that, to be able to love somebody the most. God said that should be Him. If we love God most, 
we can't separate ourselves from that and say, well, and I also love this most. No. We as humans don't have that ability, really. But God has the ability to love every single one of us equally the best. And so nobody would ever be able to say when this life is over, well, God never loved me and God never gave me a chance and, 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 and I didn't have that hope that others had. No, 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 that can't be true. Because God loves you the best. And I don't know if that touches your heart this morning, but it touches me. And I see that verse on the wall that God, He didn't just love, He so loved. He so loved. And we know that's part of kind of the modern vernacular. Oh man, that's so good. Oh, it's so great. Oh, it's so... It's always predicated by a, uh, prefaced by a, a soul. Well, God knew that 2,000 years ago because He so loved. I love the way that God just loves us. Has there been some times in your life when you didn't love you? When you didn't love you? You know, I think that's one of the hardest things about forgiveness. You know, we can, we can find God's forgiveness, every single one of us, no matter what we've done. But you know, sometimes forgiving ourselves is the most difficult thing to do. And sometimes there are, people are plagued by that for a lifetime. God loves all of us. I'm loving the fact that God doesn't have any favorites. That God doesn't play the game that, that people play. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, want us to be at odds one with the other. You remember the story, don't you, in the Gospels where, where uh, James and John, they wanted, to, uh, they wanted Jesus to guarantee that they would be able to sit on his right hand and on his left hand in glory. Oh, it ticked off the rest of the apostles. Hey, you know what? Those apostles were human beings. And all of a sudden they found out that James and John thought they were prima donnas in the group. And Jesus took care of it and said, The greatest that is among you, he will be your servant. Think about that for a minute, church family. However you think of yourself in this church family, wherever you Wherever you want to place yourself, you're to be a servant. You're to be a servant. And if a pastor's maybe at the head of the line, guess who should be mostly a servant? The pastor. And you know something, beloved? I love the fact that when Jesus was in his earthly ministry here, to make that case plain to all, when they were all laying reclined on their side, as they did in the Oriental culture, as they were all laying on their side and communing and fellowshipping and eating, Jesus, the Bible says, girded himself with a towel. And I can just picture the Savior with a basin of water going along on the outside of the perimeter of his disciples. And he was washing their feet. And he was drying their feet. 
And you know something? There was no... That, that task was less, left for the lowliest servant in the house. Someone would come along like the Son of God and wash my filthy feet. That's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. Dr. Johnny Pope told a story one time. He was asked to preach at a Bible camp. And uh, the pastor of the church that had that camp ministry was a very well-known pastor. He's with the Lord now. But uh, Brother Johnny Pope said this. He said, you know, one day, he said, I went into the, I went in, uh, they were out to camp, and he said, I went in to the boys' bathroom and shower house. And he said, I just was washing my hands, and I looked in the, I looked in the mirror, and behind me, in one of the stalls, was a man that was on his hands and knees, and he was, he was wiping up stuff, and had a bucket there, and, and Dr. Pope said, I wondered who that was, and so I stayed there and just kind of watched and watched and watched. And he said, pretty soon the man was done, and he got up and grabbed the bucket, and it was the pastor of the church. And that's where I, I kind of learned, you know, if, if the pastor isn't willing to clean up the dirty toilet, then why should anybody clean up the dirty toilet? We're not prima donnas. You know, if we're saved, we're God's children. And God loves us all equally. And there are no favorites. And I'll tell you what, we ought to all serve one another. And that's what God wants. That's what love should propel us to do. But it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. Not only does God's love have no favorites, number two, it never ends. It never ends. In verse 15, I want you to notice two very important words. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal eternal life. Verse 16, we see at the very end of that verse two more words. Everlasting life. You see, why did God use two different words that, that seemingly mean the same thing? He did that so that we would not have any confusion about eternal and everlasting. You see, someone would make an argument. Well, it could be eternal, and make some kind of broad argument for that, but it wasn't really everlasting. No, it's, it's eternal and it's everlasting. In other words, it's eternal in the sense that it is beyond this life. And it's everlasting, meaning that it will never end. It will never end. Now, I, was, I, I hope you feel this way too if you're a born-again child of God. I didn't deserve to be saved. There was nothing about my life that warranted God saving my soul. That day that I got saved, the thing that touched me the most was that verse on the wall. I could not believe that God would love me. Gary Randall didn't love me. 
Betty and I's relationship was on the rocks. Hi, sweetie. By the way, 48 years coming up in April. I got to tell you, I couldn't believe that God would love me. What was there to love about me? And then that wasn't enough. Christ died for me. Somebody died for me. You know, at the White House just this past week, President Trump put the Medal of Honor on a, on a uh, soldier that 12 years ago, that's how long it took to investigate the whole thing, 12 years ago, he did a tremendous act of heroism and put his life in between the enemy and his comrades who were pinned down. And he fought, these, he fought the enemy and gave his soldier brothers a chance to reposition themselves and get themselves someplace where they wouldn't be killed. And for that, he was recognized with the highest military honor that there is, the Medal of Honor. He was very humble about the whole thing. He said, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't any one of the men that we were together that wouldn't have done the very same thing. The men, some of the men of that outfit got together there at the White House when he got that Medal of Honor. And you know something, beloved? Uh, they had nothing but glowing words to say about that soldier. Well, God said some glowing words too. He said, Greater love hath no man than that a man would give his life or lay down his life. No greater love. Jesus died for you. And he died for me. I, I don't know how that strikes you. But as I know myself, I did not deserve that. But it wasn't about what Gary Randall deserved. It was about God loved. And Jesus was willing to die for me. To die for me. To die for you. And you know something? I've never gotten over that. I've never gotten over that. And the fact that that's the greatest news that I could give to you this morning in this message. God loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for you. And just like those soldiers were grateful, that Medal of Honor recipient didn't die for them. He could have died for them. He didn't die for them. But you know what? There's plenty of Medal of Honor uh, recipients who received that honor posthumously. They did die for some others. And you know what? For those families of those that were saved because one gave up his life, they are forever grateful for that one soldier. Beloved, if you're a Christian here this morning, I hope it never becomes old hat that God loved you and 
Jesus willingly gave up his life for you. How grateful should we be? How grateful. He's done so much. And by the way, he's, he's given so much to us. He never quits loving. By the way, he never quits giving. We were praying this the other day, Betty and I, and remarking and just talking to the Lord and just saying, Lord, you've not, ever, you've, you've not only met all of our needs, God has gone way over the top of all of our needs. He's given out of his great love things that we never dreamed that would ever be in our life. We never, by the way, we never dreamed we'd have this wonderful church family. You are, you are, you are one of the greatest blessings that Betty and Gary Randall have. And God provided that. God's done that. And you know something? It never ends. It's all a product. It's all a product of his love. And that love never ends. It's everlasting. It, it's without end. It endures. You go through the next trial, his love is still going to be there. He loves you enough to get you through that next hard thing, if you'll trust him. It's just never going to be gone. People live in fear that they're, that, that they're going to come to the end of some relationship, possibly. I counsel all the time. Unfortunately, we have situations where spouses are, are on, the, on the brink of breakup. Oh, but I've seen how that when God breaks through and His love, and when people will just take the Word of God and see what God desires. I've seen couples, Betty and I have seen couples come back together and still together today whose marriages were on the verge of collapse. It wasn't Betty and I. It was God. God giving them hope. God showing them love. If, if God can love us, guess what? God can love anybody, can't he? But I want you to think about it this way. If God can love you and me, can't you and I love somebody? We sure can. We sure can. And there's a third thing. And this is mighty, mighty important. God not only doesn't have any favorites, <laughs> and it's wonderful that His love never ends, but you know something else? It sets free. It sets free. It just sets us free. Verse 17 says, for God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. Sometimes, sometimes we're very condemning people, aren't we? I mean, we shouldn't be, but sometimes we are, aren't we? If we're honest and true with ourselves. Sometimes we allow our emotions to get out of control, and we can be very condemning. By the way, that's a role that you and I don't get to play. 
God is the one who can do that, and he chose not to in verse 17. That isn't why Jesus came in the first place. Condemnation comes, but it comes later on on Judgment Day. Beloved, he sets people free that are in bondage. I love uh, Brother Terry and Brother Brandon, Brother Dan. He's been Brother Bud. They they worked they they worked with the 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 part of society that gets forgotten. People behind bars. People who are paying a price for for uh, some kind of societal offense that they've done. And uh, and and rightly so. But you know what? They are people for whom Jesus died and. God loves them. God loves those behind bars just like He loves Gary Randall. Just like He loves you. And I love these men that have a burden to go into these jails and present Christ. It makes a difference. Because, boy, when you feel like you're in bondage, when you feel like you're enslaved and trapped, only the love of God can break that bond. If you tried to break chains off yourself, <laughs> you'd never be able to do it. But you know, the Apostle Paul, his entire ministry, he started out every ministry, started out every church plant from jail. He'd come into town and preach. Somebody would get mad. A bunch of people would get mad. Next thing you know, Paul's in jail. Paul had a wonderful jail ministry. I mean, and a multiplicity of jails, too. And you know something? Some of the best, I, this is not in the Bible, but you've got to know this is true, that some of the best church members that he had in, in these missionary journeys were men that he led to Christ in jail, that when they got out, they were in the churches that Paul started and they became, they became probably the best church members there. I can tell you, though, why that's true. Because sometimes it takes reducing somebody's pride all the way down to nothing. And when it gets there, and God's able to set them free by His great love that, that is, doesn't have any favorites and never ends... That person is grateful, grateful forever that God would set them free. And oh, I'll tell you something. You can, you can try to do that for yourself, but you cannot make it. You cannot make it because your pride will always put you down. But God's love will always raise you up. That's how it works. Whoever will come to Him and who will ever confess to Him then receive Him as Lord and Savior of their life, He will not cast that person aside. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if what you've done is only known between you and God. I think every one of us probably have something like that. But dear friend, 
if you've come to Christ and you want a Savior and you want a, a Heavenly Father that loves you with no favoritism at all and, and, and honestly and never ends, a love that never ends. Human relationships end, don't they? Sadly. But this will never end. And the fact that that love sets us free. You know, I'm free to serve the Lord. I don't have to serve God. Oh, I know as a Christian I'm commanded different things in the Bible. I understand that. But you know something? I don't look at it as if I have to do it. I have the, I have the privilege of serving the Lord. All that He's done for me, I could, I could never serve him enough. In this world, in this world, we've got a number of different handcuffed, trapped people. Some of us, uh, myself and some of our deacons were talking about this yesterday. There's a ministry down south in Denver. Uh, Pastor Josh and Several of the young people and, and, and Brother Rick are going to go down and they're, they're going to help. And what is the help? I'm guessing for the last, what, 27 years? A lot of years. That this church and its people and that pastor and his wife have served up, have served up a hot Thanksgiving meal for the homeless. And not only one, but on two days. They do, they do it two days in the week. And I thought, wow, isn't that great? Isn't that great? Because who remembers the homeless? It's just like, who remembers those that are in jail? Well, there are people who God loves. So I said, you know, we need to do we need to not, we need to do something as well. So I'm I'm just saying we we uh, I guess we still have time. We could do something if if we had people if we had an army of people like you go out and when you're picking up stuff for Thanksgiving dinner, throw an extra in for a food box. We could put together some food boxes this month still, couldn't we, Pastor Josh? If you do, how many would how many would want to be part of something like that? Would you raise your hand? Oh, look at all over the sanctuary. Listen, let's do that then. Let's do that. Whatever whatever you put in your box for your Thanksgiving, would you just grab an extra one, and that'll be your box to somebody else. And we'll 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 get those put together, okay? Because I really think that we ought to do something like that. This church ought to be known for that. And we can do that, and we can make a difference. There are probably some people right here in this congregation right now that, that are saying to themselves, man, I don't know what I'd have for Thanksgiving dinner. You know what? I think that could be. Let's do that, okay? I'm deputizing every one of you. Let's do that. Let's, let's get this in, and, and let's make sure. I mean, it's the 3rd of November, and let's, let's get all these in. Uh, I, I hate doing church business in the middle of my sermon, but but let's let's get all this in and up up, up to the office area in the next two weeks. 
All right? Would you do that in the next two weeks? And we'll get that all together. And I'll tell you about it, and I'll tell you how many food boxes we put out. Okay? Thank you. The government did something like this. And it was touted across the nation, across all the news wires. They took 100 homeless people off the streets of Washington, D.C. They put those 100 homeless people inside of nice apartments and said, now this is your place to live. There's no rent. There's no utility payments. There's no nothing. You just don't have to live on the street. You can live right here. We're taking care of everything, the furniture, the whole nine yards. Here it is. You can live here. And then they didn't stop there. They arranged for every one of those 100 to have jobs in Washington, D.C. So you'd think, man, if I was having to live in an alley someplace and, and, and that was my plight in life and someone comes along and says, you know, this is just a pilot program. We're going to start with 100 people. If it really works, we'll just spread it out. The story's told that a few months later, almost every single one of those people were back on the streets. The question was asked, why? And sadly, even though their environment entirely changed, and this is the point, folks, you can change environments, but until you change your heart, nothing changes. Nothing changes. And so nearly all of them were back out in the street and gave up all of that. Why? Because their heart was never changed. You know, the most important thing that I can do for this congregation this morning is just to tell you that God loves you. And that you can have a home in heaven for the asking. And you don't have to do anything for it. You don't have to be a member of this church or any church. Heaven's not segmented up in denominations. It's just heaven. And you can have that home in heaven simply by asking for it. Simply by turning to Christ. Now, if I'm, if I'm not wrong, there are folks probably in this room, you haven't done that yet. That's okay. That's okay as long as you do it. You see, God's love is going to remain. God's waiting for you. God wants to save you, my friend, and make a home for you in heaven more than you want one. And aren't you glad that God made it free? You see, no matter how well-intentioned you plan to be, no matter how many good works you want to try to do, even this month, helping with a food box and thanksgiving is a very nice, loving thing to do. 
but it will not get you one inch closer to heaven. But if we do come to Jesus, then we get the whole thing. And now good works becomes the fruit of our salvation, not the root of our salvation. So how is it with you this morning? In this church family, we've had hundreds of people over the years that have trusted the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. Just, just congregations just like this. They came to a decision one day that, you know what? If God loved me that much and Jesus died for me, I'm sure not going to throw it in their face. I, I, I bask in the fact that God loves me. But you know what else is great? Listen to me. Nobody can forgive your sins but God. You don't have to carry them. He said, I will put your sins as far as from the east is from the west. Try that out. And when you start traveling east, you're always traveling east. You will never travel west. Boy, he's going to put my sins that far away from me. Wouldn't you like to have all your sins forgiven and forgotten? Only God can do that. And he'll do it for free. But here's the, here's the point. The only thing you have to do is receive it. That's all you have to do. If I said I'll pay off your car, just line up right here and I'll write the check out to you. I'd have, I'd have people just lined up clear around this church building. If I said I'll pay off the mortgage of your house, I'll have the check ready for you right here. I'd have people lined up out the door. But God says, I will give you everlasting life. And I will make for you a home in heaven. And your sins are forgiven and completely forgotten as if they never were. And how many will come for that? How many will come for that? They'll come to pay off their car or pay off their house or pay off their credit card, but they won't come to Jesus Christ to have everlasting, never-ending life. What's the alternative? You pay plan B isn't a good plan. There's two, two places in eternity. Heaven and hell. And the Lord said he's not willing that any should perish. But that all would come to repentance. Repentance means to turn. Dear friend, if you just quit trying to be good so you can be good enough for heaven, we think. You just quit that and just turn to that's called repentance. Just turn to Jesus.
thank you for listening to our sermons from Elmwood Baptist Church. If you like our ministry and want to know more, check out our website at www.elmwoodbaptist.org. Or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next time as we continue to study God's Word and grow in His grace. God bless you, my friends.